Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Dr. Motley here. Welcome to the Health Institute Podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Motley, and Courtney cannot be with me today, but we all miss her and I miss her because we have the best podcast. But today we're going to talk to you a bit about energy and we're going to talk about energy production. And many times we have lots of questions asking us not only about how to clean up infections or how to clean up our diet, but why do I not have enough energy? So I wanted to talk about lifestyle in the avenue of diet and even mindset to help you create enough energy in your body to give you the sufficient amounts to run your everyday life. Because many of you suffer from chronic fatigue syndrome. Many of you don't know why you can't create enough energy to actually help burn metabolism. Why do I continuously have weight problems? Or why do I not have the ability to burn off certain unwanted calories or weight? Another one is why can't I get rid of this infection? Why do I have this chronic fatigue from this infection always plaguing me? Or maybe you have some form of brain fog or you have joint pain and you think, I can never get rid of this. And one of the biggest things that most of us forget is the connecting piece, which is energy. Now, in Chinese medicine, I love to intertwine Chinese Eastern medicine with modern day protocols within Western medicine as well. But when we talk about energy, we're talking about the movement of blood and electricity. In Chinese medicine, we're often seeing qi, qi, as something that is woo-woo or that is basically a little esoteric. To me, it's furthest from the truth. When we're talking about qi, they talk about the transport of energy through the blood and electrical system. For goodness sake, our blood, the actual red blood cells in our body work off polarity. There is a charge within our cells, our red blood cells, a polaric charge that transmits electricity and light through our bloodstream. It's about communication. We communicate to the rest of our body through blood and through electricity, which is the meridian system, the lines of electricity that go through our bodies that help energize the tissues and the organs where that electricity passes through or by. And the blood transfers information through red blood cells, through the nutrients we absorb when we eat, and all the types of vital nutrients that are transported throughout the cardiovascular system. So when we're talking about energy, how can we help our bodies increase that electrical activity? How can we help it with blood flow? How can we create optimum levels of energetic flow through these two systems? And that's by the mechanism of helping with ATP production. Why do I have the uh, fatigue Why can I not fight off the unwanted weight? Why can't I fight off the infection? It all has that one connecting piece, which is energy. There are different forms of energy in the body, but for this podcast, I want to give you some simple tools and techniques to help you with creation and sustaining of energy. Lifestyle, mindset, diet are all big indications or big contributors to how you can create energy. So let's talk about our diets. When we talk about ATP production, each cell in our body has a small device, but basically each cell in our body has thousands of these devices called mitochondria. Now, mitochondria are power plants that create ATP, and ATP is adenyl triphosphate. 
Adenotriphosphate is the energy molecule you need to create energy. These molecules, if they're present, are going to help you millions of times per second run your daily life. Now, when you have energetic production within each cell, think of how important your body cells are. You usually have about a thousand mitochondria within regular muscle tissue. In your heart, you have about 2,500. And in your brain cells, you have about 5,000. That's how many mitochondria power plants you have in each cell. We're about 40 to 50 trillion cells. Many of those are bacteria, but the ones we have have all of these little components within them. Think how much ATP you have to produce. Each mitochondria is going to produce about 32 to 36 ATP every turn of the cycle if it's healthy. Now, a mitochondrial Krebs cycle turning is supposed to take all the fats, all the sugars, all the carbs, all the proteins, and invest them into the cycle so that you can actually produce energy in the form of ATP. But what helps this cycle along? A, the nutrients, the minerals, the vitamins, the things that can help encourage each step of the cycle, and B, what you can eliminate will actually help the cycle. So it's about what you incorporate in your daily, daily diet, lifestyle, and what you eliminate. I always start with what we can eliminate. I think it's very saddening today in this culture today, and I'm not trying to sound negative, guys, but when we think about what we eat or what we've eaten in our past, I'm guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself. I literally used to drink Coca-Cola and eat fudge rounds, and I hope I don't get in tr trouble by naming these, these food and drinks, but basically, I used to eat sugar like crazy when I was a young person, and that fed infections, and that fed infections like yeast and mold and bacteria had virus issues and, you know, it eventually led to Lyme infections. So when we talk about sugar intake, high sugar intake, and how detrimental it is to our energy production, we always think that high sugar is going to give us more energy and it can, but our lifestyle, our diets can literally be very detrimental to the way we eventually produce energy in the form of ATP. And I'm going to give you some simple mechanisms. Hopefully it's not too boring, but I want to show you how our daily standard American diet has hindered our production of proper energy through our diets. So let's talk about the mechanisms of energy production and how it can relate to uh, Eastern Chinese medicine as well. So in our culture, when we talk about standard American diet, we're talking about how does our cells get fed? So most of us, if you like I just said about me, if we ate a lot of foods that are heavy with trans fats, modified starches, modified carbs, refined sugar like white sugar, high fructose corn syrup, all of those are basically components of most everything we eat in our culture today. Truly, there is so much fake food out there that when we look at our school systems, it's appalling to me that we can feed children candy bars that have all these components of these fake foods that are very detrimental to the actual energy production of your cells. So let's think about it this way. Let's put it into insulin and cortisol. Most of us are, have experienced life where we had heavy starches, heavy carbs, and those heavy starches and carbs come into the system and they overload us. Have you ever heard of insulin resistance? So what happens is we start to take all this excess sugar, this refined sugar or corn syrup, and our cells start to produce insulin. And insulin then tells the body, to, okay, let's pull this sugar into the cells because we're all tired. And we need to take all of that excess sugars into the cells to feed it into the Krebs cycle to give it enough oomph to create more energy. Now, there's a couple other ideas I'm going to get about fats versus sugars. 
But let's say your cells get full of sugars and they don't need it anymore. The cells then actually become insulin resistant. They can't take any more sugar, so they'll resist insulin signals and keep sugar in the bloodstream. So then you have higher blood sugar levels. Your cells become insulin resistant, and so you can start to become pre-diabetic. Now, then on the other hand, you're starting to get higher triglycerides. Why? Anytime a patient comes into my office that has high cholesterol, they say cholesterol, cholesterol is good for you. It just depends on what forms it's in. For high triglycerides, I always ask them what their sugar intake is. The way to get your blood sugars low and your cholesterol triglycerides level is to cut out all your sugars or most of your refined sugars or refined carbohydrates. Sugars, when they get in, they become insulin resistant. You basically also have this problem where the body is then trying to pull in that sugar, use it as a fuel source, but whatever can't be used as a fuel source within your cells is then diverted over into making triglycerides. So it depends on your oxygen and anaerobic states, which means this, whenever you're highly acidic with too much sugars, acidic, you get into a low oxygen environment. When you add high amounts of sugar in a low oxygen environment, that sugar doesn't enter into your Krebs cell. It stays outside of it. It's shunted over to create what we call lactic acid and triglycerides. If you don't have enough magnesium or minerals like magnesium or zinc, manganese, and certain forms of B, B vitamins, the sugars then are never used properly if you don't have those nutrients. So you create more triglycerides. It's a stored form of energy because the body can't use the sugar because the cell's too overindulged with sugar inside. So you have all this buildup of triglycerides. They're floating around. They go to the liver. They overcompensate in the liver. So it's this big refrigerator. You have all these triglycerides in the liver until the liver gets overloaded and starts pushing them out into the bloodstream. And so you have problems with strokes and heart attacks and atherosclerosis and hardened arteries, all because sugar intake is high. And where do we get our sugar forms? Fructose corn syrup, modified wheat flour, modified starch, corn syrup, cornstarch, soy flour. All these things can raise and dysregulate your blood sugar. This is another fun fact. Basically, what occurs now is that you become insulin resistant. But what does cortisol do? Cortisol, your body starts to get into this fight or flight or to this inflammatory state because if you have too much sugars, you're going to start to raise your inflammation in your body. So the body gets dysregulated. It goes into this cytokine storm. All these antibodies are starting to get overactive. You get more histamine response. You start to become allergic to everything you eat and everything you breathe in. And so your body gets cortisol levels get raised. Every time you eat higher amounts of sugar, your cortisol levels rise. Now, the reason being is because when you're in fight or flight, or if you're ever in a stress state, you need more energy for your brain. So you want to get more energy into your brain so you can function. So we're doing the opposite of what we should do. Cortisol keeps blood sugar in the bloodstream so that you have it more available in case you need to run from a problem or fight a problem or think very clearly or do something quick. That's what cortisol does. So you have an insulin resistant cell that's pushing blood sugar into this bloodstream. And then you have higher amounts of cortisol that's keeping it in the, in the bloodstream. And so you have high blood sugar, diabetes. This is never used as sugar or a form of energy. It's getting compacted into triglycerides. So anytime you start to see that high triglyceride and you start to have low energy, you're like, man, I can eat uh, this amount of sugar and I can drink this much of caffeine but it does not help me get any type of energy because your cells are not using them. 
If your cells cannot use your food as an energy source, you can usually produce maybe a quarter of the amount of ATP you should. You should produce about 32 to 36 ATP every revolution of the Krebs cycle. What if you're only producing 12 to 10, 10 to 12? Then you're not going to have any energy. So you're trying to create energy with an imbalanced fuel source. So you start to see that our culture today is basically just bombarded with the food sources that will never produce energy. And the thing is that the scientists, the biochemists who create these foods, the people that allow these things to get into like, like say cafeterias or lunch cafeterias in schools or hospitals, or even in our food system today, they know the biochemistry of food, but they yet still allow it. How can a child, how can a person at college, how can you operate your brain fully? How can you keep focused and have energy in your brain if you don't even have the right fuel sources? You can't. They're going to be turned into obesity or overweight or chronic fatigue. So you'll start to see children that are overweight or obese, and they're say, saying that some of the average rates are now to six to seven years old. You're starting to see insulin levels or insulin resistant in obese children that are 85%. So you have this correlation. If they're seven, you're seeing, starting to see obesity at that age and 85 to 90% already have insulin resistance and prediabetes at that young of age because they're being fed this all day at school, at home, they never get a break. When you don't create enough energy, you start to have the, the cells in your body also have a double whammy because we have hydrogenated oils. So you see a lot of the food sources, they have cottonseed oil or um, they'll have a safflower oil or even sunflower seed oil. Now, I'm not saying all of these are bad in themselves. Some of these oils can be useful if they're in a basically a non-toxic, non-rancid form. Because a lot of these oils that they use are cheap. That's why they use them. So they sit on the shelf for a long time. They get basically caked up because, you know, they sit so long, oil will start to cake up and starts to basically become solid. What does it do to your insides? So you have all these cheap oils being used. And so what your body does is this in another aspect. Your cells, the cell layer, the covering of your cells, the, the envelope is made of good cholesterols. You have small bricks, small cement blocks that give your cell its pliability, its structure, and it's basically its strong components. Now you have LDLs and HDLs. Now I'm going to get into this whole thing, but HDLs and LDLs are lipoproteins. Now what they do is they help transport cholesterol from the liver out into damaged cells. So let's say you have an inflammatory state like being pre-diabetic, you got an infection and your cells are inflamed because they're trying to fight off infection. They're trying to defend themselves. Your body replaces those cholesterol pieces within the cell wall and tries to take the damaged pieces back to the liver to help them to be replenished or repaired. And it was replacing them with new cholesterol. But where do you get your fuel source for new cholesterol? Like eating good fats. So you have good fats in the form of good olive oil or good um, grape seed oil. You can have good almond oil. You can have different oils. If they're not rancid and they're organic and cold pressed, they are good sources for you, depending on the type that you can eat for your body type. But if they're basically homogenized and they're really, really stiff, what does your body do? It has this form of oil that is so stiff and so caked that it tries to replace the cell walls with these things. And what happens to your cell? It becomes stiff and hard as a rock. And basically it's like overall, you cannot get nutrients within the cell or uh, food nutrients or minerals because the outside walls are so stiff and so tough. They actually can become brittle enough to where they break. And so you can have a lot of cellular death and cellular dysfunction because 
of the hydrogenated oils, uh, basically the fake trans fats I'm talking about that we find in every day. What are we looking to a candy bar? You have corn flour, corn oil, they'll have safflower oil, they have cottonseed oil. That's one of the biggest components. If you eat a cracker with cheese on it nowadays, it's going to have safflower oil or cottonseed oil in it. And they're all rancid. They've been sitting on the shelf. And that's why all the oils give these things a shelf life. And so they have longer shelf life. They go in, they harden your cells. You can't get nutrients into your cells. You can't burn ATP. And then you add sugar on top of it and you have insulin resistance, cortisol imbalance, diabetes, heart attacks, strokes, and the cycle goes on and on. So how can you create ATP in that environment? You got to get rid of your refined sugars, your trans fats, get rid of your modified cornstarch, your modified wheat starches. You have to find sources of food that can be read easily. If the ingredients can be read and they're single ingredients or just a few ingredients, that's great. So be mindful. If you find a candy bar, what is the grams on that? Some can be up to 22 to 26 grams of sugar in a single candy bar. And I call them candy bars now or protein bars. You look at some protein bars, they're just as bad. And they, they try to you know, cover it up by saying, oh, we have good ingredients. They usually have cane sugar and cane sugar is just a basic form of mod, you know, refined sugar. It's just, it sounds better when it says cane sugars. That's my opinion. But when you have a protein bar that has just a high amount of sugar uh, as a candy bar, you're doing the same damage. They say the average, some people say you should not eat anything over five grams of sugar in one of those type of treats. Some say eight to 10. But whenever you start to look at your ingredients, you want to make sure that these components are not in there. We're feeding ourselves, we're feeding our families, we're feeding our children these types of protein bars to give us a quick fix. But all the while, it's not moderating, it's not metabolizing properly in our blood sugar uh, system. So I say those are the things you have to eliminate. You have to get rid of them because you're not going to produce any ATP. Now, Remember, we talked about how that gets into the cells, how the sugars are supposed to get in the cells and what else it can produce. Now, if you're making triglycerides from high sugar intake, the other things that you have to be mindful of is that you're going to create lots of lactic acid. Lactic acid is a byproduct of having low oxygen with high sugar. So you're going to have sore joints and fibromyalgia. If you eat high amounts of sugars, it's setting your body up to be acidic and you're going to have painful joints and painful muscles because lactic acid is going to be produced in all your muscle cells. You're going to have brain fog because your brain cells are going to produce more lactic acid, brain fatigue, brain fog, heart palpitations from all of this. Now, I'm not saying you guys out there eat this way. I'm just saying that when we see our culture today going through what we're going through, where people are having high amounts of ADD, OCD, ADHD, they can't concentrate, my brain doesn't function. And we wonder why that happens. We add on top of that infections that our body that are trying to fight off, but we don't have the energy to fight them off. So it just saddens me that we have this whole culture that is based solely on carb and starch intake and bad fats, all for the, uh, the sake of trying to create energy when they don't create energy. In the Krebs cycle, you need to have magnesium. You need to have manganese. You need to have zinc. You need to have B1, B2, B3. You need to have B12 as another source for your liver. You have to have certain vitamins and minerals that turn the Krebs cycle. If you don't get a daily intake of these vitamins and minerals, what happens? You don't turn your Krebs cycle or the components of the Krebs cycle do not work properly. So you have these components that need to be rejuvenated with good minerals and vitamins within our food, like good healthy greens, uh, good lean proteins, good complex carbs, depending on your body type. And those nutrients are there to help you with feeding into your cells. 
And the other problem is, is if we talk about hydrogenated oils, A, you can't get all the good nutrients within the Krebs cycle to turn to make energy. But let's say you can't even get any components because of the hardened outside of the wall, right? You can't get the energy or the foods into your hardened cells because of all the trans fats. Another thing is that you need to have CoQ10, vitamin C, vitamin E. You need to have these types of components that actually help soften the walls and increase the electronic transport system within the cell wall. So it's basically a triple whammy. Have a hardened cell wall. You don't have enough CoQ10, vitamin E. These components I'm talking about to actually help your body transfer electrons in and out of the cells. And what do those electrons do? They help with every step of the Krebs cycle. So you need all these extra minerals and you need to be able to help turn that system with the transfer of electrons in and out of your cells. But we don't get that, do we? I'm just saying it because I was never taught that. I was never taught in school that when I went to school that I wanted to think and be have higher IQ and think stronger, that I should have food that helps with good minerals and vitamins to actually help me think stronger and get my body at most optimal levels. We're not taught that. We're not fed that. In fact, if you look at most cafeterias, what do they feed you? Nacho cheese, dairy, wheat, soy, corn, all things that screw up your cellular activity and your blood sugar levels. I'm starting to get on a soapbox on this, but when we're talking about ATP production and energy cycles, these are the basic components that you find within biochemistry handbooks. Um, there's a great book called The Role of Nutrition in Health and Disease, and I think it's one of the best books I've written or read uh, that's been written that I've read in a long time, but it talks about, and these are written back in the 1960s and 70s, but such basic good quality components. And it tells you about how every vitamin, every mineral turns certain cellular processes. And when you see how our culture today basically doesn't give that reverence or try to honor that by giving that into our culture, like why doesn't every hospital or every clinic teach that and try to work with the cellular activity or the health of the cell to actually help and increase its vitality by creating more ATP. What would happen if every cell in your body was creating the most maximum amount of ATP it could? You would find that all your health problems would start to fade at a quicker rate. You would fight off infections more, your metabolism would work better, your thyroid would work better, and your adrenal glands. And in fact, your other organ systems would heal, digestive, pulmonary, reproductive, urinary system, integumentary, all those would heal faster if if ATP was at its maximum level. And better yet, when the organs work better, then you know that the fascia, the connective tissue in the body is working fluid-like and your meridians are going to be running at optimum levels. The healthier your organs, the better the electrical flow throughout the body. And your blood's going to be stronger. And so you're going to have a healthier acupuncture system, a meridian system, uh, and you're going to have a healthier ATP production. So what are some of the common things? I'll just repeat myself. Remember, cut out the foods we talked about. You want to reduce dairy as much as possible and wheat, soy and corn, and make sure you don't eat anything that's genetically modified or inorganic. And if you can do more shopping at places that do CSA or do local grown food sources, that's one of the best way, things you can do. Cut out all your candies, cut out all those type of candy bars and protein bars that have higher than 10 grams of sugar. You want to make sure even fruits that are too high in sugar, you need to be careful of. If you've had issues with insulin resistance or diabetes, type 2 diabetes, or cortisol problems, it really can be controlled by diet. But also, let's focus in on how you can incorporate Chinese medicine. One of the biggest things I see in Chinese medicine is finding a good practitioner that with blood sugar levels or helping you with your metabolism or weight gain or helping you with ATP, ATP production is to focus in on the kidney strength, the spleen strength, and the liver, and the heart. 
So you have kidney, spleen, heart, and liver. These are just a few things. Now I'm saying these are big components, but you know, your digestive system is one of the biggest things that you can help correct to help with your overall energy production. Elimination of food, incorporating certain minerals to the diet, and also strengthening these things with the acupuncture system. Now let's review a little bit. You can also get a spectrocell or get internal cellular components of minerals measured or vitamins. It's called a spectrocell or intracellular vitamin nutrition testing. You want to see what you're deficient in, what vitamins and minerals. That will help you turn your Krebs cycle. And if you can then, with your energetic system, get that raised and strengthened up, if you can get um, the acupuncture system to be at its most vital by strengthening the liver and the spleen and the kidneys and the heart, you will start to see that you will actually also help your ATP production. One of the things I love to see is that with uh, the kidneys is if you get the kidney strengthened up, you will actually help the electrical activity of the body. And here's how. If any of you guys have had chronic UTIs, chronic bladder infections, or chronic kidney infections, you are probably going to have deficient or imbalanced kidneys. The reason it's so important is your kidneys are there to help with the water metabolism of the body. And the more water you can metabolize efficiently means the more minerals and vitamins you metabolize through healthy kidneys, which means you're more electrical and you are feeding your body the proper amount of electrical charge, which does what? charges your whole body for crying out loud. We are made of cells that reflect light and electricity. Our brains are measured through electrical signals. Our hearts are measured through an EKG that's electrical signals. Our bodies are about communication. Electricity and light travels through our body and it's how our whole system just operates. People think it's just through the blood system or just through chemistry. The chemistry is intertwined with the electrical system. How does one cell know to go after another cell to connect and create a symbiosis? through that pull, that frequency pull, that communication of light and sound. That's how it knows. And so when you're talking about increasing the energy within the kidneys, you're going to help overall the electrical flow in the body. You throw in the liver, we're talking about methylation. If you can't lose weight, look into methylation. Get a methylation, liver methylation report and see if you have MTHFR. See if you can actually methylate Bs. If you can actually take the B vitamins in your greens and in your beef and meat products or your proteins, if you can take your B vitamins and break them down and use those B vitamins efficiently to help run your detox patterns in your liver, you'll actually help break down estrogens, testosterone, progesterone, help them metabolize, recycle, repair efficiently if your liver is working well. You'll get the proper amount of cholesterol to be made. It'll transform down to the sex organs, sex glands. You'll be able to repair and recycle your hormones efficiently if the liver is working well. So guys, remember that part of your methylation cycle tied in with your metabolism. One other aspect, the spleen, lymph nodes. If your lymph nodes are working perfectly, if your lymph system is energized, if you're getting up and doing your daily walks, if you're doing your daily water intake, if you're doing your bounding, if you're doing your cold water plunges, these help the lymph nodes move efficiently. Whenever lymph is moving properly, you're cleaning your blood efficiently because that's what lymph does. It helps clean the blood, but also carries lots of nutrients. It helps fight off infections, cleans your body of all the mono-causing infections like Epstein-Barr virus, parasites, strep, and staph. So you have to keep your spleen clean to keep your blood clean. It also will help your liver out. So when you have a clean spleen system, a clean lymph system, getting lymphatic massages, getting ultraviolet uh, therapy or even infrared therapy, and if you can keep your kidneys clean with your liver, you're going to start to get cleaner blood, which then helps strengthen the heart. And the heart's your biggest ATP producer one of the biggest. 
that with the sex glands. So when we get the heart beating efficiently by helping these other organs get at full capacity through doing acupuncture, doing holistic hands-on therapy like kinesiology and chiropractic and physical therapy, you're going to start seeing that these things can actually help you have optimal levels of energy energetically, electrically, and through that system benefit the physical components like the blood and your ATP within the cells. You see how they all intertwine, how they all interconnect. So we're going to start to see that whenever you have components of every part of the body looked after, you're going to have energy production in the most efficient, unified manner of the body that it can produce. I try to resist the urge from our mainstream health system to always look at something in a reductionist view. We're talking about metabolism, how we can actually increase our metabolism and actually heal from chronic infections like Lyme disease, parasites, yeast, mold, viruses, you name it. The biggest thing in Chinese medicine, and it should be in Western medicine, is how do you produce energy? Through the ATP, through light, through sound, through electrical charges, through blood flow. And it all works in a unified format within the body to help you with all these things we talked about at the very beginning. So if you can get that, get your blood checked, get your intracellular vitamins and minerals looked at, get your acupuncture system looked at, also look at your blood sugar and your insulin levels, get those under check and start cutting out the things we talked about. It's vital for our day to day to watch out for these small little nuances of infections that feed off of all the foods that we've been so used to eating. And whenever you start to eliminate those foods, you'll start naturally eliminating the infections and start to raise up your energy. We need to talk about in another podcast, all the, um, the components. We did talk about some of the minerals and the vitamins, but again, guys, I like to repeat myself, but I really want you to rewind and listen to some of those vitamins and minerals, but please check out MTHFR, check out your insulin levels, your blood sugar levels, and see about the vitamins and minerals that help these things get to their fullest capacity and vitality. I don't promote this book. I don't want to kick back, but there's really good books called like Eat Right for Your Type or Eat Right for Your Life. And they have uh, information about how each blood type has certain receptor sites on the blood cells and on, um, in your bloodstream that help utilize certain nutrients. So a type AB is different than a type O, type O negative is different than a type O positive. So each cell has different receptor sites and those cell receptor sites attach to certain types of nutrients differently. So it tells you which nutrients have been shown to be very inflammatory to the body and which ones to that particular blood type and which are very beneficial. So you want to keep your body out of inflammation. That's why people do low FODMAP or they'll do an anti-inflammatory diet, an AID diet. You want to keep your body out of inflammation as much as possible. But eating right for your blood type has had good benefits from what I've seen in the office. Some people agree with it. Some people have their questions. Um, my body type, I should eat more red meats, lean meats, but I can't because I had Lyme disease a long time ago and I don't have the capacity to tear apart red beef or beef very well. I can do bison and I can do some uh, forms of fish, but I can't do a lot of beef. It's just depending on your bioindividuality. So check those books out. They have really good information. Also look into Ayurvedic body typing. And we're talking about the pitta, the kapha, and the vata. And those can give you some good indications of what foods are very cleansing and very healing to that particular body type. And those are another session because that can go on for many, many hours about that podcast. But I want to make this mini podcast about things you should cut out, things you need to look for, how to raise your energy. And if you do, you're going to fight off your infections. You're going to help your weight tremendously. 
and you're going to find out you're going to have more sustained energy. You're going to have better bowel movements. You're going to be able to have sleep and rest throughout the night. Guys, I tell you, this are the, these are the first steps I give my patients when we're dealing with any infections. First steps, create energy. Guys, I hope this was informative. We're talking about mitochondria and all things energy. Find a good acupuncturist. Find a good holistic practitioner. Seek the guidance of a healthcare professional that is holistic in mindset. We appreciate you. Guys, until next time, Courtney and I say hello. Thank you for joining the Ancient Health Podcast. We hope to see you soon. Yeah, and log in. If you have any questions, send us some questions, guys. We want to make sure that we're answering questions in the best format. Follow us on Instagram at the Health Institute, and we're going to try to put out more content every single week. All right, guys, take it easy. Love y'all.